We want Caleb. We want Caleb. Ah, the wonderful sound of the benching of the biggest turd in the punch bowl in the state of Oklahoma and perhaps the entire country. Spencer Rattler, who, by the way, is still 35 to 1 some way, somehow in the Heisman race, is on the bench. However, before that topic is elaborated on, my fellow degenerate, Mr. Odell is on the line. Give us your three takeaways from last week's college football action. Three things. Very simple. Alabama, their team is not world beaters. They are having a pill climb. They could have, at the end of our season, two losses going into the playoff, and they will not make it. Mm. The door is open for Cincinnati. Alabama opened the door, and all Cincinnati has to do is pass their way through it over the next six, seven weeks. Number three, Penn State would have beat Iowa if the quarterback did not go to the locker room. Those are the three things we learned. I would have to agree with all three of those. That third one is very questionable, but we'll never know. We'll just never know. Um, one thing I, I want to elaborate on is the first thing I came here babbling about is the backup, obviously, for Oklahoma, and who looks to be, they haven't announced it yet, but who looks to be the starter for this week, Caleb Williams. I believe he's a freshman, if not sophomore. If no one knows and has been living under a rock for the last week, got playing time for the aforementioned benched Spencer Rattler, I believe, in the second half against Texas. They came back and actually beat Texas, obviously. So mm -hmm. appears to be, you know, starting for moving forward, the starter quarterback for Oklahoma. Now, does Rattler transfer? And if so, where does he, before you answer that, does he follow the path of the previous Oklahoma castaway Tanner Mordecai and go to a G5 school like an SMU or maybe even a Western Kentucky? Because the Bailey Zapp, that quarterback with that coach, they sling it around a bunch. I think he's gone after this year. So do you see him transferring? If so, where can you see him in what jersey? Yes, I see him transferring. I see him transferring to one of three schools. Okay. First school, Ohio State. Mm. Ohio State loves there, those type of players. Is there There's, enough balls to go around and enough starting quarterback positions in Columbus? Yes. Yes, I think there is. Interesting. Second okay. spot, mm -hmm. Miami. Very good. Yeah, that's a good spot with Derek. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Hurricanes, they, 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 that's what they've done. That's what they've done over the last five or six years is with a lot of transfers. Third place, mm -hmm. UCF. Good call. Yeah. Th those would be the three schools. In, I could waver a little bit on Ohio State. Nebraska would also be a good spot for him. Um, not high profile, but he could he could turn that program around. He would have no so th those would be the one of those type schools: um, Miami, Nebraska, UCF, maybe Ohio State. Probably not the probably not his first choice. Yeah, but you know that with his attitude and the way he is, he's going to want to go to a highfalutin place. Yeah, for sure. He's very bougie, as they say. Uh, for my for my look at it. Uh, you know, I never thought about Miami. That's a pretty good fit. I could, you know, they're going to need a quarterback. I don't know who's in the waiting in the wings after Derek gets done with his time there. Um, he's done. I mean, he's done. Okay. Yeah, he's done for the season. He's out. Already. Well, yeah. And I think he's a senior already, as it is. So, yeah. Like a I 19th year senior. He's been playing yeah. since I was in the third grade. So he's been around for a while. So 
just something interesting I thought I'd uh, propose to you here. And uh, what do you think? Where do you think he's going? Like I mentioned, I think I could see him going and taking. I, I see what you're saying about having a big head and trying to stay at one of the G five or uh, Power Five schools. But I could easily see him in his network behind him trying to get him in a good position in the draft. I mean, I'm assuming he's got what it takes to be in the NFL to going to, you know, taking him down a notch and taking your lump and going to uh, a G five school, like an SMU or Western Kentucky, or even UCF, which I really don't even consider uh, G five okay. anymore, but yeah, I see him taking the path, anything to get drafted. I don't think, I think he's going to get lost um, in the mix. If he goes to another, a higher ranked uh, power five school, I could see like yeah. a Nebraska perhaps, um, in the Big 12, or what are they in Big 10 or Big 12? I'm losing my Big 12. Big 12. I'm sorry, Big 10. They're in the Big 10. Are they? Big Shit. 10. Okay. See, I don't, I don't feel as bad. So, yeah, I think that's a good call on that. Miami, one of the lower tier um, Power Five teams. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think I see him in a G5 school, to be honest. I see, I see him uh, thinking that's the best way to get him drafted. So, let's move on to our list. Um, you know, we go back and forth from non sports to sports topics where we like to rank our favorite five of one or the other um this time we're doing a sports topic our favorite college football players or i should say the best who never won a heisman and we figured the era from 1985 to the current i started watching around 1989 to the current around 12 um so we're going to do a top five i've got one honorable mention so again this is for players who flourished in the college football who never won a Heisman. So give me who you got for number five. You know, this was a, a pretty hard list to come up with because, you know, there were players that were robbed and obviously it's about our eye test. You know, anytime we do any of these college football or any of the sports ones, I like to be able to, to put an eye on it and say, I've seen this player play and he was just that good. So for me, number five was Andrew Luck. 2011, he got beat out by RG3, yeah. which RG3 put up just video game numbers, but Andrew Luck was clearly the better quarterback. Yeah, um, That's why Andrew Luck was drafted ahead of him in the draft. So number five for me, Andrew Luck. And I'm also going to go with Andrew Luck for number five as well. Um, one of the few most prepared NFL-style quarterbacks of my generation um, he actually, in my research, I think I caught that he finished twice, uh, twice he got second place. So mm -hmm. 2010, he lost to Cam Newton and then 11, he lost to RG three. Yep. Um, but I think with Stanford's offensive philosophy, for the most part, you really don't flourish in the David Shaw and, uh, the system they run, it's really run heavy. So I don't think that allowed his passing capabilities that he possessed to, to, to show what he really had until he got to the NFL. So um, that's my number five. So I agree with you. Uh, what you got for number four? Number four, 2003, Larry Fitzgerald for Pitt mm. got beat out by Jason White of Oklahoma. Oh. And I, we see how that worked out. I haven't heard Jason White's name since 2003. Right. And Larry Fitzgerald just quit playing like seven minutes ago. Yeah. So – uh, Fitzgerald was just sick in college. He was making one-handed grabs. He was running back punt returns. If we were playing fantasy back then, he would have been a, a number one draft choice for sure. So yeah. number four, Larry Fitzgerald. 
I loved him. He was one of my favorite personal players. He seemed like, and in the pros for what, almost 20 years, he was just yeah. a consummate player pro on the field. It seemed like off the field as well. From what I know about him, he just handed the, the referee the ball when he scored no mm-hmm. stupid ass touchdown dances, just nothing not fancy. saying that's anything bad, but yeah, I, I, I love that guy. In fact, I still like to, that's my nerd alert comment of the night. I, I like to collect his cards. I'm trying to collect every card um, of his career. So he was one of my favorite players as well. So good pick on that one for sure. Number five or number four, rather for me, um, we're going to the crowded backfield down in Fayetteville, Arkansas, one Darren McFadden. You know, I think his production overall during his time there in Arkansas was held back by an equally as good, maybe better Felix Jones in the backfield. Um, he too also got second place in the Heisman from my research, 2011, uh, nope, not second because I said that was RG3. So I think I forgot where he landed in 11, but he lost to Troy Smith, I want to say, one year. And then mm-hmm. 2012, St. Tebow. Um, so Darren McFadden yeah. really was just awesome to, to watch during the short time he was at Arkansas. And that's him number four. Yeah, I, I really liked McFadden. And, and he was almost on my list, but I couldn't put him ahead of this guy, number three for me. Mm-hmm. 2004, Adrian Peterson. Mm. Peterson was a beast. He was the Derrick Henry before Derrick Henry. He used to plow over people. Even when he got to the NFL, he just plowed over people. He had a good run until he beat his child and uh, got to sent packing around the league a little bit. But he got yeah. beat up by Matt Leiner. And I understood mm-hmm. at the time that Matt Leiner played for USC. He was the All-American. He never amounted much to the NFL. But they had that run where they won the national title with Reggie Bush and they beat Notre Dame uh, when they pushed Liner into the end zone or Bush into the end zone, Bush which was push. illegal as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, but Adrian Peterson was just a beast. So 2004 for me. And, you know, like you mentioned, I think a lot of these players we're going to mention that don't earn the Heisman are a result of the best team in the country's quarterback ended up winning that year. Like for example, Jason white on Oklahoma, I'm assuming that year they either won it or were in the championship game. And he, you know, he was a result of an offense that passed a lot. So, you know, a lot of these players, I think it was Fitzgerald. You said that lost to and um, Jason white. Yeah. My number three is Mr. Peyton Manning. I just, he's a three-time vote getter all but freshman year when Heath Schuler was still at Tennessee starting for them. Um, 95, he ended up sixth place, 96, eighth place. So he jumped back and then 97, he ended up second to, um, Woodson, who was very deserving on not just defense, but offense and special teams. So, um, Peyton Manning for what it's worth should have had maybe one, probably two Heisman trophies in his time at Tennessee. What you got for number two? Number two, another guy that fell victim to a quarterback on a winning team, 1990 Rocket Ishmael. Hmm. He never won the Heisman, and he was a receiver. He was a punt returner, and every time he touched the ball, it was magic. Yeah, it, He was all over the field, taking back punt returns, kick returns. He, he was one of those guys that – you couldn't get him the ball in his hands if, if he was if you were playing defense on him because he would take it to the house. And I, I thought he really got robbed because Ty Deppner was just a serviceable quarterback. A lot of 
a lot of check downs, a lot of uh, just throwing it as far as you could and having receivers that would somehow get wide open for BYU. So number two for me, Rocket Ishmael. Man, that was about the time where I started really getting into college football, and I, I remember him, seeing him and maybe Desmond a couple years after that, and it was just fun to watch Notre Dame, and they had they had a loaded team, and that was a, that was a good time for football for me. Um, number two, I'm going with Christian McCaffrey. To me, he's like a Marshall Falk 2.0. He could catch out of the backfield, or I should say he still can catch out of the backfield, maybe even better than he runs for. Um, he actually finished second to uh, Derrick Henry in 2015 and somehow was ninth in 2016, which is criminal behind the likes of Washington quarterback Jake Browning and Alabama defensive lineman Jonathan Allen. So, you know, for my money, I, I can understand the Derrick Henry. He was just a complete beast in college. So finishing second is an honor almost to him. But uh, even 2016, the year after, I don't know, I didn't look at the stat line for Mar uh, McCaffrey, but – um, he's my number two for uh, Heisman. Uh, what you got for number one? Number one, 1997 Peyton Manning. Mm. How can you not give Peyton Manning the Heisman? Yeah. If any player in the history of college football has been robbed, it, it is him. I mean, I, I didn't like the Charles Woodson pick then, and I don't like it now. Really? Is um, it even you know 21 years later? I, I just don't like it. Woodson was good, yeah, but Woodson had a lot of people around him, huh? Peyton Manning trotted out with Tennessee. If you go back and look at that team, they didn't have a they didn't have superstars on that team, they were a lot yeah. of workhorses. So I, I really thought Peyton Manning would uh would, would should have won the Heisman. Now, the funny thing about some of the people on our list so far is that everyone we've named has been awesome pros. Mm -hmm. And they've lost to some people that haven't even scraped the league. So that goes to show Good you point. about, about yeah. what the Heisman is. But number one for me was, was certainly Peyton Manning. That's an extremely good point. Uh, you know, the Ty Detmer, Jason White to the world. That's crazy. I didn't really think about that in compiling this list, that uh, who they compared to and, and losing to the Heisman is almost – it's an it's ironic – uh, you know, and this is what I like doing this list for because we, you know, sometimes we're not the cookie cutter, agree every topic. I, I, I totally disagree with Woodson. He was just nasty to me. Uh, I mean, punt return, kick return defense. He played a little offensive receiver. I just think he was like a, a kind of a Swiss army knife. So, I mean, no, that's I, we, I, I can't just, dis I can't disagree with you. I, yeah. I, I he was awesome. Yeah. He, he, he was a, he was a unbelievable player, but compared to Peyton and what he did for that, college yeah you're probably right that year he probably should have gotten it i mean he was uh, voted sophomore all the years he started for tennessee so he got a vote he got at least one vote all three of those years that's crazy so my number one which i'm surprised that you didn't bring up and this is arguably my favorite all-round running back and maybe player of all time is marshall falk you know when i first started staying up late to watch him in San Diego State. That was probably the first time where I would stay up till like 2 a.m. to see a San Diego State game just to see what he's going to do because I don't want to wait till the morning to read the stat line in the paper. Um, he finished second in 92 to Gina Toretta and fourth place in 93. Uh, I forget who won that year, but I think it's criminal again for him. Um, I know he was a, a much better pro than he was at college, even though I think he played – two, maybe three years. I think he only played two years before they changed the rule. Maybe they didn't. Um, 
but yeah, he's my number one. I love watching the guy, uh, even in the pros, he was awesome. He was in the perfect settings for the most part for the most of his uh, career. So he's definitely my number one in players that should have won the Heisman, but never did. Do you have any, uh, honorable mention? No honorable mentions, but I, I did really like Marshall Falk. He was, like you said, he was unbelievable in college hmm. and he was like a, a human highlight film back then. I yeah. just, the one thing that jumped out at me too is I was looking at Heisman winners and, and thinking about how they transitioned to the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's just how much bigger all those players got after about three years in the NFL. You know, you look at um, Andrew Luck and Fitzgerald, you know, even when he was 25 was just, was just big Peterson. They all just bulk up monsterly. You're talking about physical presence. Phys- not- just their physical presence yeah. is so much bigger right um through that time period as opposed to now you don't see them you know with the exception of somebody like dk metcalf who if you look at him he's twice the size as he was in college yeah that's true he's like a damn beast what are they feeding those cats when they get the nfl why aren't the colleges doing it right but but yeah i i really like uh your five and it's interesting i i thought we would be more aligned with our five um but it's just interesting, like you said, how we get through the list and how it, we're not on par with each other sometimes. Yeah. And I had a feeling you'd put AP in there, one of your fives. That's why I, I, I McFadden and AP were like 5A and 5B, but AP is definitely um, my honorable mention, you know, despite what he does domestically, you know, outside the, the football rectangle. Maybe the greatest college football player of our generation, um, statistically. You know, he lost a liner, which is understandable when USC was balling in the early 2000s. So he could easily uh, gotten my five, but I figured you'd you'd bring him up. So um, before we jump over to the meat of our podcast, you know, the college football and fantasy and wagering part of it, I just want to briefly talk about this past weekend. I know you have a story about some poker that we haven't really talked about that we used to quite a bit. You know, as my son gets older, he's almost 11. You know, we, we, I find that we're, he's, he's growing into, you know, for the most part, the good parts about me and, and we have more in common and we can do more things together. And I might try to be sappy, but we just had a really good Saturday. Um, I made some notes here of the things we did, just kind of just not really that important, but just fun stuff. So, you know, real quick, we went to a a basketball game for this league that he's going to be playing in in the winter, really competitive, and he needed to see what he's going up against. Um, with these fifth and sixth graders. So we went to see that. Then we went over to a sports card store, got a couple things, um, looked around a little bit. Then we went to B-dubs, had some lunch, watched some football, which I'm still trying to teach him because he's really not there as far as understanding even the basic rules. So tried to teach him a little bit about that. Then we went over to Avenues Mall. Haven't been in there in a while. And we just want to, we look at the, um, he loves to go into the, uh, the former, what is that called? The place with all the jerseys. I forget what it used to be called. Um, I know what about. you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, it's called the the da, 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 locker room now. I want to say it's sponsored by Lids. We just like to look at the NBA players, NFL players, see if he recognizes anybody, and just kind of look at the prices, which are ridiculous. Crazy. Then we just went over, kind of impromptu, went to see his first James Bond movie, uh, No Time to Die. We're not going to have any spoilers. The 25th in the uh, James Bond legacy. So that was about almost three hours for that damn movie. And then really, we, yeah, it, but it was, it was a pretty good, pretty interesting uh, storyline. So I definitely recommend it if you're even at watched a couple of James Bond movies in the past, which I really haven't, but it was worth seeing. 
Um, then we jumped over. We had to get him something for Halloween. So uh, we went to the Halloween store and it's the spirit Halloween store. Um, they had a few, you know, he's heard of a few scary movies and characters in those movies. And he showed me a couple that he wanted to be. And he showed me Jason and he showed me the mask. I'm like, what the hell do you know about Jason? So he ended up getting the combination with a knife and a mask. And we're going to, uh, you know, we came home and ended up watching Friday the 13th and I've never seen it personally, but we really kind of cheesy. Yeah. And all these years, I'm not a horror fan, but it was just second was the best one. I think. Okay. I, I think we might have to, to dive into some deeper ones and maybe Friday the 13th and stuff like that. But it's just one of those good days where you, and then the next day he went to a Jags game for his first time. So it's just good quality time with a good kid, I think. And I know you've experienced that and you are experiencing that now, which is, uh, yeah. it's great, man. And I just, uh, just wanted to talk briefly about that and shine a lot on him, but you, you had a, a good weekend and, and a, di- a little bit of a different way. Give me a little heads up on your poker. Yeah. Well, first off your, your Saturday sounds way better than my Saturday. <laughs> I mean, I, I love spending the time with my kids and doing stuff that we both like to do. But my Saturday, Friday and Saturday, consisted of me walking out of the poker room with 1800 bucks up. Bang. We, we had pocket kings. Mm. First hand we saw of the weekend and doubled up. And we had some, we hit some flushes and some straights and moved around. We had a really good poker weekend. And I come home and, I couldn't keep all my money in my bag, barely. So the oh, family standing Lord. here, you know, just like, dad, how much is it? And, you know, none, you, none, your business, you know, right, right. put it in my little stack over here and we'll use it again later. But Sunday we went to, uh, had to take the wife to home Depot because, you know, she knows that I made some money. So we bought a new house here back in June. So she's like, I need this and need that. So we, we dropped uh, some bills over there at the home Depot and made everybody happy. And then we decided to go to Hibachi. So you you're teaching your son about the mall and cards. Me and my son had a little gambling expedition. Okay. Sat down at a, a Hibachi and we were sitting next to each other and a group of 18 people come in and we're sitting at the table next to us. And there were eight adults and 10 kids and the kids ranged from one to about seven. And I'm counting these kids and I'm like, son, the over under is two and a half. He's like, okay, I don't get it. I said, how many kids are going to cry when the fire sparks up over there? (laughs) And he's like, oh, definitely more than two and a half. I'm like, okay. So the bet was on. So we laughed and giggled and took pictures and it was kind of me and him sitting to ourselves the way the table was. And we were cracking up the whole way. And, And he lost the bet. Only, only one and a half kids cried. And what so, was the over-under set at? Two and a half. Two and a half. Okay. Two and a half out of 10. And I, th- I thought that was a pretty good, decent line. I mean, yeah. In, if that's I'm sitting here in Vegas, that's, that's pretty good. So the, yeah. the under come in, and but we had a, a good time dealing with it. And, you know, we, we when he was little, he was terrified of hibachi. Like we would go eat and I'd have to take him outside as they were cooking the food because he was scared of the fire. And he really? was like two, three years old. Yeah. And then eventually we'd get him closer to the to table while we were cooking. And now he loves it. We, there's a, a hibachi place that we go to and the guy and I'm getting off track here, but it's, it's no, really you're good. this is what it's all about, man. Let so the, the guy, the hibachi cook, he throws shrimp at people right. to eat. And when they miss, he, he yells out, you suck. So he <laughs> finds out your name while you're eating. And so the first time we had this guy, he's like, you suck, Jackson, you suck. 
Oh damn! And I was like, oh my god, this kid's eight, and you're. But you know, Jackson oh, loves it. And the kids love it. So he, we always try to look for him when he comes in there. Fortunately, this weekend he was at another table and couldn't get to ours. But over so under is, and is Jackson at the age where he's over the volcano, or he enjoys that? Ah, uh, he's bring me the food, bring me the soup. He eats so differently than I do. Like I, I like steak, potatoes, yeah. uh, and pizza. Th- those are my and hamburgers. Those are my food groups. Really, this little fella will eat. He'll eat anything. He likes the soup and he likes the noodles uh, and the vegetables. I'm like, listen, give me rice, give me steak, give me enough yum yum sauce for my my oh, food to yeah. swim in. And just move out of my way. I don't need the rest of this stuff. Do you do the yum yum sauce with soy sauce mix or just yum yum? No, just yum yum sauce. Don't give me nothing else. Just give me the yum yum sauce. I'm going to use these two on my rice and then fill me back up for my steak, my filet. So that's kind of how addictive. we roll. Yes, it's delicious. Well, I tell you what, we 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 proved that we have some pretty damn. We're we're blessed and lucky, and uh, we'll yes, leave we it at are. that. And uh, let's also hit a break before we jump into our college football and fantasy talk. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. So a couple of uh, piece of news and or notes on the college football front. A couple of things that I noticed and, and heard about that were pretty interesting. There has been 40 losses by AP ranked teams so far through six weeks, which is an all time high you think about that think uh, normally there's a good bit of teams with zero sometimes and maybe one losses throughout the whole year but 40 losses of the top 25 ranked teams through only six weeks of action that tells me that there's going to be a lot of a few different teams perhaps in the playoff there should be yeah so I'm, I'm hoping that's the case in a, a, a little tip of what's to come in the next coming months so that was surprising to hear. I didn't really even think about it. I know there was some upset so far, but I didn't realize that ratio. Another thing which is cool is Utah, who just joined the Pac-12, or whatever you want to call it, Pac-10, a few years back. They beat USC in L.A. for the first time since 1916. So that was kind of cool to hear about how something – I know they haven't played every year since they just joined the Pac-12, but that was kind of cool to see. Um, now let's jump over to Heisman talk. You know, we just started, I believe last week with our Heisman, we kind of narrowed it down to who we think is going to win or who we want to win and who might be a dark horse. So, um, after last week's action, what do you think, who are you, uh, leaning towards on the uh, winner for Heisman? Winner for Heisman. I still got, I still got Desmond Ritter. Okay. I think the loss to Alabama, I think it's really going to help not only that team, but him yes. because that it kind of takes Kind of takes Bryce Young out of it. You know, I think the, the voters, like we talked about earlier on a previous show and tonight, the voters like quarterbacks. And he's really the only person to me in America that has stood out. You can throw out Shroud. You know, you can, you can trot out a lot of different names. But he's been the most consistent player all year long. He's mm-hmm. not putting up gaudy numbers. Right. But he's winning the games himself. You know, they don't have a running back back there that's running all over the field like most teams. They've got good, solid players, and he's leading them. So, for me, I, I'm not moving away from Desmond Ritter until they lose. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go the same way, and not to just agree to agree, but he, he's been the most consistent 
He's a great two-way player, not just throwing it, but running it as well. And when you're on an undefeated team, you stand out a lot more than maybe a one or two loss or, dare I say, three loss team. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to have to ride with Desmond Ritter. I threw a couple bucks this week on him to win. I think it was at 15 to one. So I think I put uh, – we won't talk about numbers, but uh, – yeah, yeah I, I like him as the front runner right now. I think I had just someone different last week. But who do you have for your dark horse? Dark horse, I'm still riding with Mr. Pickett. Okay. And Pitt. I mean, they're four and one right now. The only real games I have left are Clemson, and that's it. I mean, Anything. they got their ACC schedule. You know, they got Miami, Duke, UNC, Virginia, Syracuse. None of those teams are that impressive. And I think that I think if he can put up some gaudy numbers versus Clemson and give them another loss right now, I think, think well, I know that Pitt's, Pitt, if they do that, will move into the ACC championship. That's going to get him a lot more press. Right. And I, I really think he has a shot. I mean, they're leading the Coastal in the ACC right now. They're they're flat with Virginia Tech, and they play Virginia Tech later, but I haven't been impressed with Virginia Tech. I mean, not that I'm impressed with, with Pitt either, mm-hmm. but for where he's at right now with throwing for 1,700 yards in the first five games, I mean, he's my dark horse. Yeah, I was looking at the standings um, for ACC, and you're right. I didn't realize Pitt was four and one, and at the top of that weak ass side of the ACC. I'm I'm looking to see if they play Wake Forest. Did they already play them? No, they don't play Uh, Wake Forest. No, No, they don't play Wake Forest until the championship. They would play. That's crazy. So Wake Forest and Pittsburgh in the ACC championship. How bad has the ACC gotten? That's crazy. Clemson, Florida State. The Miamis, even North Carolina is just – it's a weird season, man. Yeah. It, it, it well, you know what's like really – what's weird when you look at the ACC, and yeah. I just noticed this today when I was looking. NC State is 4-1, and one, okay? Mm-hmm. They haven't played but one conference game so far. That was Clemson. That's, they beat Clemson. That's the only conference game they've played at 4-1. and one. So crazy. they've loaded up. Yeah, um, they've, you know, let's be honest. We don't. I can't name one player on North Carolina State's team, so they don't have a Heisman. So mm-hmm. if they get there with Pitt, I mean, I, I'm leaning towards Pitt to win the ACC. I mean, they won't get into the Final Four. Yeah, you know, they don't have a, sh- a prayer in hell, even if Is they it- do run the table because of their schedule. But uh, I, th- I think Pitt, uh, Kenny Pickett could could make a run at that that, that trophy though. Yeah, I think he was. Uh, he he entered last week at forty to one. Of course, we're taking odds from Bovad. I I am, and then I think he's thirty five to one. So I threw a couple of bucks on him. Like I said, uh, yeah, that's a good call. Um, my I've got two. I got one A and one B. I couldn't really differ one from the other. Two running backs. Uh, one from Texas, Bijan Robinson. Dude's a beast. Twenty carries, mm-hmm. one hundred thirty seven yards, and a touchdown. Uh, this past week and he would have had more but he's splitting carries with another running back on texas and then kenneth walker who plays for michigan state has been a ball in all year he finally popped up on the odds normally you you come on the odds from what i see on bovada and you ease your way down into the front of him but he jumped right on there at 14 to 1 so i had to throw some bucks on that yeah. um if, if michigan state if they're st- they're still undefeated i believe if they continue yes. i don't know what they have ahead of them but you know, he had 28 carries, 223 yards, and a touchdown. So, he, I think he's staying up there. It's going to be I, – I really think if Desmond Ritter doesn't win it, there should not be another quarterback. I haven't seen a quarterback that stands out 
other than Desmond Ritter, if anyone. I think I think this is the first year in quite some time that there might not be a quarterback, well, besides Desmond Ritter, that makes the finals at least in, for New York. So, well, I've got bad news for Michigan State fans. Um, they State. they have to play Michigan still. Yeah. Uh, 11-20, they play Ohio State, and then they get to take a trip to Happy Valley. So they got three losses staring them right in the face. But I do, I do like Walker. He's an unbelievable, great player. Yeah, um, you know, it's a real fool's gold kind of top-heavy or a bottom-heavy schedule for Michigan State. Now that you bring it up, uh, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. Wow, that's yeah, that could very easily be uh, from undefeated to three lost seasons. So, so let's well, he's averaging seven yards a carry though with nine touchdowns. So he's 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 doing good. Yeah, statistically, we'll see how. I mean, again, I I think they pull from. I, if we go back and look at the Heisman winners, I know we're focusing too much on this shit, but if we look at the Heisman winners, when's the last, what's the worst team a Heisman winner has been on? I'd like to go back and look at that. You know, how many losses? BYU would be my guess. You think? With Ty Detmer, maybe? Yeah. I mean, that they probably the worst team. I think they won the championship that year. Yeah. But yeah. I, I'm going to have to go back and look at that and maybe have it for a, our Aflac trivia question of the week next week. Very good. Sponsored um, by Aflac now. That's great. <laughs> Let's do most and least impressive fantasy players. So, based on your opinion, who was your most impressive fantasy player from last week's action? It pains me to say it. It really does. But do CJ Stroud, Ugh, he, he had 406 Jeez. yards for five TDs. I don't care who you're playing. To throw five TDs in a game, I mean, granted, it's Ohio State, but he has really turned the corner. He's putting up some big numbers. So he was my most impressive player last week. Unfortunately, I think you're right. He has turned that corner and with Ohio State playing a lot better than they had the first part of the season. He, I, I may have just uh, contradicted what I said earlier with the Desmond Ritter only quarterback in the uh, Heisman voting. He he might get some votes just being that he, he hails from Columbus. So um, I had two. I keep, I know I'm supposed to narrow it down to one, but. I had two receivers, um, one's a tight end, one's a wide receiver that were just ridiculous numbers. The first is from Coastal Carolina. This guy, Isaiah Likely, tight end, eight catches, 232 yards, and four touchdowns. Mm -hmm. The dude's like a wide receiver. And then the guy who I just recently traded for in our fantasy league, which we're going to briefly talk about, this guy from Western Kentucky, Jareth Stearns, had 16 receptions. 195 yards, two touchdowns. This cat in his five games so far has had receptions of seven, nine, seven, then 17 and 16. So this is by far Bailey Zapp's number one go-to target in Western Kentucky. So those are by far my most impressive fantasy players from last week. How about least impressive for you from last week? Least impressive, Spencer Rattler. What the hell is going on in Oklahoma? How do you how do you go to Oklahoma and get benched as a quarterback? Especially if you were a Heisman. You know, we, we sat here for three weeks talking about fantasy and talking about Heisman and uh, and damn Spencer Rattler's name was in every conversation. Everybody yeah. wanted him. He is sucking hind tit, as my grandpa used to say, <laughs> and he's he's fucking horrible. So. Yeah. He will be. He's probably played his last game in Oklahoma. I would. I would think because, you know, a, a coach is very hard pressed to move the quarterbacks in and out 
all the time. I mean, it, it never works. It never works out for everybody. So, mm-hmm. you know, they still haven't said who's going to be the starter yet, but I don't know how you can. Yeah, you can't you can go, back not go back to that guy. The team is probably more so in the coach's corner with a different option than Spencer. He, he seems like he, he sounds like he's a plague. No one likes him. Like his attitude when he walks out the field, just it's really just all negative, man. I don't know personally, I know him obviously, but just watching the QB one, I think we've talked about that before that show on Netflix. Yeah. He was a little pissant. He was just everything. I think he got in trouble the short time they had the, the, uh, the show on there when they were profiling him. But um, anyway, let's, yeah, he, he's, he's, I'd like to, I'd be very curious to see if he does transfer this quickly, if he can actually play anywhere this year. Is that a rule? Are they allowed to do that or not? No, not this year. He has to so wait till next year. He'd have to wait to go through the portal. But here's the thing it is through my lens, it is okay to have a bad week and get benched. Sure. What is not okay is walking off the field while you're your own team celebrating. Yeah, that is just piss poor in so many levels, and that was highlighted obviously over the weekend. But that's just just bad news. Yeah, he could have so. easily been my least impressive. I had a feeling that was coming from your side, so I settled for Auburn's running back, Tank Bixby. I mean, yes, he played against mm-hmm. Georgia's defense, which is arguably the best with maybe Iowa's defense in the country. They held him to ten carries on twenty eight yards, and he got a touchdown, but. The team only ran for a total of 46 rushing yards. So that Georgia D is filthy. Kentucky's got a rude awakening coming to them on Saturday at 3.30. So that's my least impressive fantasy statistical player from last week. How about your most impressive team from last week? Most impressive team, Texas A&M. Can I say it? Absolutely. It's, I mean, it's easy to say it, but it's obvious. They they, they really did some shit that I didn't think they could do. No, I don't think anybody thought that. I mean, I, I haven't seen one ticket, uh, gambling ticket that is, of anybody who took even Texas with AM with the points, let alone the money line. Yeah, I, I haven't seen anybody post that. Um, I, I would think they'd be bragging and be proud of it. So that's a good pick. Yeah, I would. Um, I'm going a million damn years. Cincinnati. I mean, I know they beat the Sisters of the Poor, uh, otherwise known as Temple University. They beat him like a little bitch, 52 to three. And then Ritter had just a stat line of what you would think, you know, just basically, let's real quick. I got to run it off here. Ritter, 259, which is average, three touchdowns through the air. What are you doing on the ground? Eh, he only had six yards. Okay. So he had an average game, but that, that's, and you mentioned earlier about no rushing. They have a pretty good running back, last name Ford. I've seen him in the, Mm-hmm. In the uh, stats in the past few weeks, Devin Ford is that his name? Devin Ford, Jerome Ford, Jerome Ford. He, yeah, he's had games of touchdowns, but one, three, two, zero, and then two. So he actually is uh, helping him out in the backfield. But yeah, Cincinnati. I know we keep talking about them. they're like the my Liberty for for this year. I mean, they're really good, man. They're I yeah. think they can contend with if they do get that chance in the playoff. That's gonna be fun to watch. So uh, I digress. What is your least favorite team from last week? This might be both of ours. I've actually got two. Okay. Um, first, the damn Texas Longhorns. Easy. How do how do you how do you blow that lead? I, I, I don't understand. You've got them on the ropes. Just continue to run the ball. So Texas Longhorns, easy. 
Yeah, I agree. They gave up 25. Let me repeat that. 25 fourth quarter points when they had a huge lead against Oklahoma and eventually, of course, lost by seven to the backup Caleb Williams. So um, I think we agree on that. You had another one for least impressive? Yes, 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 yes. Um, the University of Arkansas, I, Sam Pittman, the, the coach, could have easily until Sunday been the fucktard of the week. You know, you score f- damn near 50 points on Ole Miss. It's a interconference game. And with zero time left on the clock, you elect to go for two in regulation instead of just kicking the field goal and, and playing your chances. So I, I, a part of me says I understand why you, you go for two because you don't think your defense is, is up to par. Well, neither was Ole Miss's. No. No. I mean, so why why risk it? I, I, I didn't understand that. I was pulling my hair out as I was watching it. And um, fucked hard easily could have could have been Sam Pittman, the coach. That's just a piss-poor decision. Granted, you're giving up 50 points to Ole Miss, but Ole Miss gave up 50 points to you too. So yeah, Arkansas will, and Texas for me. We're going to just uh, set that fucked hard up for later. So he, he's a close second, but – you know, I was sitting in the James Bond movie and I, my son kind of hates when I have, I had my, my phone on ESPN a real low and I had it on ESPN streaming and I was flopping between that game. And I think it was, yeah, the Texas Oklahoma were both noon kicks. So yeah. I was watching it. I'm like, no shit. He's going for two. I'm like, you just, just go. I mean, you both have no defense. Just keep playing overtime. It's going to be one of those old fashioned, good old, you're eventually, if you keep scoring, you're going to go for two. You're going to be forced to you're go, for, have two to go for two. Right. So why not do it? I know you're on the road, but part of me applauds them for trying it. Part of me is like, it's eventually going to happen no matter what. So let's see if they give in or they make a mistake before you do. So it seems like every year we've got an SEC game where they go into like three or four overtimes. So that could have been this year's SEC triple overtime game, but they chose to go for two. So, yeah. um, before we get into this week's slate of games, which I'm personally not too fond of after looking at it, just a reminder mm-hmm. that there's 27 teams on a bye this week, I think is what I heard, yeah. 27. That's a lot. So give me three games, if you have three, that you're looking forward to watching and overall what your rating of this week's slate is. All right. Overall, waiting for last rating for last week was an eight to start. Finished it at 8.1. I, I thought there were some good upsets. I thought there were some good games to watch. I wasn't happy about the majority of the outcomes, but it was still a, a good week. This week, I've rated it a 7.7. Okay. And here's how I come to that. Um, it's college football, and and we only get so many weeks, and it's not a horrible slate, but it's not a good one either. So at the 12 o'clock hour, we've got Auburn and Arkansas. Neither one of these teams have a defense, and Auburn really don't have an offense. So this is going to be interesting to watch to see how Arkansas bounces back from their second consecutive heartbreak. Yeah. You know, they, they took a beat down from Georgia and then they roll into Ole Miss and should have won that game. I think mm-hmm. after watching it. So 12 o'clock Auburn, Alabama, three thirty is going to be a surprise for you, but I'm taking Kentucky at Georgia. You know, Absolutely. I want to see can Kentucky score a point. I mean, nobody yeah. else has been able to do it. So that that's the most interesting game at three thirty to me, and then the other three thirty game, and this is just how this just tells you how bad the slate is. Miami at North Carolina, 
that game's going to be a shit show. Very much it, so. It is going to be the most undisciplined, unscoring show you will ever see on turf. So I, I would just want to see how bad it is at 3.30 with them guys. So th those are the <laughs> only three games I could pick out that I want to watch this weekend. Got it. Yeah, it's it's tough sled, man, tough to pick. And let me just give you a real pop quiz real quick. And I just happened to look at this when you were talking about UK scoring on Georgia. How many points has Georgia let up this season so far? Under 20. Surprisingly, 33. Really? Yeah. Okay. There's a, they gave it 3-7-13 to South Carolina, surprisingly, and then 10 to Auburn last week. So that's, if I'm doing my math correct, 33. What's that? Mop up points. Yeah, yeah, that's probably it. Late, late game points. Garbage, garbage time. So you know, um, there's a very small pool of games I'm even interested in. So um, let's start with noon on Fox, Oklahoma State, Texas. You know, Oklahoma State, if I'm not mistaken, is still undefeated. Yet I think, in looking at the spread, I think that Texas is favored. So that that line stinks real bad. Something's something's up. I don't know if there's injuries that I'm not aware of, but. Um, that's one game I'm somewhat interested in. I've got my Bijan Robinson running back on fantasy. Um, UK at Georgia, 3.30 on CBS. I'm definitely going to be watching that. This is probably the, one of the biggest games for Kentucky in quite some time, which is not saying a lot for their program for football. Um, we'll see if they can come up with points. If they do score, I'm thinking it's going to be by defense or special teams or some way they've, they've done pretty well on defense this year. And then the third game I'm looking forward to in the evening is actually TCU at Oklahoma at 7.30 on ABC. So TCU is kind of a sneaky good team, even though they lost two games. You know, they're playing Oklahoma. I think every week since we started this this season, I've been thinking – I've been proposing Oklahoma losing. They're destined to lose. But Caleb Williams might be yeah. giving them this element of, you know, looking at the playoff – committee and saying hey look look what we're doing they're going to continue to win and prove us prove me wrong so i think tcu's got a pretty bang uh, banged up offense they've got some injuries but they still can produce pretty good points oklahoma doesn't play like a defense so if anything take the over whatever that might be um on a scale of one to ten i really don't think much of this week i'm just going to give it a 6.8 um so you know and fantasy wise I for, we even forgot to look at that let's jump over that real quick and then we'll take a break you actually did really well this past week. Looks like your your talk, your come to Jesus talk with your team and the front office really did well. Uh, went in yep. two twenty one to one sixty three. So you're, uh, well, and, you know, I I've made some some more moves. So we're we're gonna put Schnitz's dick in there over the weekend and make sure he gets a good loss. And we're gonna climb ourselves into the playoff and make a run, dude. I mean, you've got to you've got solid players i don't know how the hell you've lost as many as you did you've got desmond ritter cj stroud uh, dtr from ucla tyler Beatty. he's a sneaky good missouri offensive running back so and what, what's happened to zach charbonnet he started like gangbusters and just fell the fuck off I, yeah he has well they, they've been doing some different things with the ball like my, yeah, my most impressive know. pickup over the week is Mr. Jefferson from Arkansas. We're going to trot him out there this weekend okay. and see if he can he can score some points. Because like you said, there's 27 buys. And a lot of the good teams are off this week. So that's going yeah. to be a struggle. You know, people are going to have to play some some players that we really don't know about. The waiver <laughs> yeah. wire this week has been crazy. I've been watching it. And for, the, for those who are paying attention, 
there are some folks out there not paying attention that when they wake up on Saturday morning, there's going to be uh, no players on their team and uh, <laughs> they're going to yeah. not have anybody to choose from. So good luck, good boxing with that. So uh, I know Mr. <laughs> Schnitz is down two players and there's nobody on his bench and I'm certainly not going to call and tell him. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. We let the sleeping dog lie as you will. Mm. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking at my past week and I got to state something very embarrassing. I lost to team 808 who traditionally is per fares pretty well in our league and I, I scored 210 points and I thought that would be enough, but he scored 242. But the kicker is he had an empty slot. So I oh. lost by one player and by 32 points. So Jeez. injury, insult to injury, if you will. So um, I think where we stand now, we're was about he an auto drafter. No, that's no, no, he, he, he was there. So we're um, I'm at three and three or at two and three, just because the buys. So, man, and there's a, there's no undefeated team. So that's a good thing for both of us, but yeah. best team is four and one and four and two. And then, it's a log jam from that point on. So I thought I'd bring that up before we um, hit the break and do our wagers. So, I mean, the way I look at it, I'm a game out of the playoffs right now. Yeah. Five weeks in. So I, think, I, I can't complain. It can't may come complain. down to tiebreakers and, and head to head matchups. So we'll see uh, in the next coming weeks, especially with the bye, that might be something that uh, comes into the equation. So let's hit a quick break and we will go over to our wagers in just one moment. Do it to it. All right, we are back, folks. So time for wagers. And as a reminder, each of us has been allotted with a $1,000 fake bankroll before the season started. The one of us with the largest remaining balance at the end of the season takes the other one's $20 bill. Big money. So each week we will place dollar amounts on the following. One single game pick with the spread. One underdog money line pick straight up. One parlay and or teaser. And one NFL pick with the spread. So before we recap last week's wagers and updated balances, and most importantly, the side bets of the week, Odell, you got a story of a, a interesting parlay that was placed. Yes, very interesting. I saw on Twitter where this idiot. Now we do some idiotic shit. You know, we do. We we bet on all kinds of shit. I'm yes. betting in hibachi restaurants. I'm an eight year old, so I, I get fucking degeneration. A guy bet $569,000 to win $105,000. So his ticket would have been $674. He took Moneyline Ohio State, check the box. Moneyline Cincinnati, check the box. Alabama Moneyline, no checking, no boxes. So he lost $569,000 to win 105,000 bucks. And he deserves to lose that $569,000. I just, I, I just found that to be very interesting. Everybody always talks about the, they hit a 13 game parlay that they parlayed a hundred dollars into 19,000 million bucks. And they yeah. bought Bitcoin and you know <laughs> this fucking idiot, he, he's out here betting 569. So think about this. He bet $56 to win 10 bucks. Right. Almost and, six and to one. Never in the history of my betting would I've made a bet like that. Three games, six to one. And that's crazy, man. So I yeah. just found that to be interesting. I shared that out in a couple of my text chats, but yeah. you know, he, 
he's going to have to do a lot more parlays to get that 569 back because uh, nothing for certain at this point. So tell us where you started and where you finished last week. I started winning. I started off at 1998. I'm sorry, at 1220 last yeah. week. Sorry, 1220. Mm-hmm. We had Michigan minus three. That was a push. Mm-hmm. We had Texas money line. That was a loss, minus 55. We had parlay. We had Michigan minus six. I'm sorry, Michigan State minus six. That was a cover. Mm-hmm. We talked on this show about why did I take Michigan at minus four? And I said, I'll probably regret it, but I'm not giving up that point for that money. Well, Michigan pushed it fucking three, and I ended up losing 110 bucks because of it. So let that be a little lesson for you kids out there that are trying to gamble by the damn point. I think I asked you about that too. Yes, we, we had an <laughs> in-depth conversation about it, and I had a pretty good explanation. You did. I listened to you it on, on Friday night, and I was like, yeah, I agree with what I said. I concur. I'm keeping it that way. Uh, and then we had Buffalo. The only thing that bailed us out is we took Buffalo money line. Uh, both of us knew that for some reason Buffalo was going to come through with that, and we both put some decent money on it. So that won me a 143. So I started off at 1220 with my two losses because I didn't buy the point. I'm down to 11.98, still 198 bucks up for the season. Not bad, not bad at all. Um, I started at 8.19. Uh, we took Texas. I did a little bit of a twist on the spread, so they were actually plus 3.5. I decided an alternate spread and get tricky with it, so I bet 50. They lost. Long story short, so I lost 50. Um, Memphis money line. They end up losing at Tulsa, so I lost 60. On the positive side, I did hit my three-way parlay teaser. Teased six points. We took the overs of Oklahoma, Texas, no-brainer. UTSA, Western Kentucky, no-brainer, which was interesting, was the Penn State, Iowa, only 35 points. So I figured they had to – I think they scored 43 combined. So we hit that, 190. And then we won 97.50 on the Buffalo money line. We thought that – line was different and some you know something's up with kansas city this year they're just not what they had been in the past two or three years um josh allen's just playing out of his damn mind so um long story short i'm up just a bit back to 897.40 so roughly 103 in the hole for this season tell us what you got for america for the this week osho this week was pretty simple to me i'm uh, the, the there weren't a lot of games that I really liked, but the, the ones I did jumped off the table. Hmm. We're putting 110 to win 100 on Alabama minus 18. I don't give a shit if Alabama's playing the Pittsburgh Steelers this weekend. Saban has punished these son of bitches all week long, and they're going to come out hungry and pissed off, and they know that they're going to have to blow people out now to get mm-hmm. people to put them back in that top four. So – Alabama's going to cover that 18 fairly easily. Hmm. We're going to, on our money line, we're going to put 50 to win 55 on UCLA. UCLA is playing a broke dick dog Washington Huskies team that's already two and three. Yeah. UCLA is four and two. For some reason, UCLA, with all their their talent and their power and horsepower, is an underdog. I'm taking UCLA. That stinks. That line stinks right there. It does. Something tells me something's not up, but I'm going to ride it out. Yep. So, I took a teaser. We already talked about UNC Miami. Miami is, is dog shit. Their team is, is they're playing on their second or possibly third quarterback by now. Mm. 
Nobody's doing anything. They can't move the ball. I teased UNC from seven and a half down to one and a half. That's a lock. We're taking Texas A&M minus three. Texas A&M is a world beater right now. They are the they are the team in the SEC to to really watch out for on that side of the of the conference. So we're going to take them to to beat down a three and three Mizzou team that hasn't looked good at all. And then unfortunately, we're going to jump on the Iowa, jump on Iowa. It's going to hurt. It it, it pains me, but uh, Iowa. We're going to bump them from 11 and a half down to, to five and a half. That's going to be an easy cover for them. Uh, I was not giving up any points. I mean, they're just not. They're, they're playing a three and two Purdue team that does not look good. Uh, I was setting their number two in the country. So they're going to take that down. That's an easy 110 to win 198. And then for our NFL, not one game. The spreads are really big this week in the NFL. We're taking the Chiefs minus one, and we're taking Tampa Bay minus one. We're gonna we're gonna tease those two games, 110 to win 92. Kids, that's how you do a money line or a teaser. You don't bet half a million dollars to win win a hundred thousand dollars. You bet 110 to win 92. So that's that's what we're rolling with this week to get us further in the black. So let's before we get to Cox's picks, let's let's talk about side bet Saturday here. Um, you probably don't want to bring it up, but I'm going to because please do. Obviously, I'm in the black. You know, I've been running pretty well when it comes to side bets, and uh, it, it, things got better this week. Uh, it got doubly worse for you. You know, I took Iowa minus two at home against Penn State. You obviously take Penn State plus two, so five dollars. Iowa prevailed by three. So for the season, if I'm not mistaken, I'm not a math major, but I believe Cox is at plus 15, plus 20, yes, somewhere sir. in there. Okay. Plus 15. All right. So we're going to hopefully organically come up with some sort of side bet. I'm already eyeballing something you've mentioned. Um, so we're, we obviously learned that we're going to need to to make a comeback. We're down here considerably by roughly 300. We're going to have to bet bigger. So what we're going to start with this week is we're going to throw 100 to win 90 and 91 cents on Arizona State minus one. Uh, they've been running hot the whole year. I know it's on the road. I uh, wish I remembered who the hell they're playing. Someone in the Pac-12, I'm bringing it up, Utah. So Utah, not at the typical Kyle Whittingham, three and two Utah, not doing too well this year, although they did beat a lowly USC team last week. I, I mean, I think Arizona State is essentially a pick them on the road. So they're five and one. I think I thought they were undefeated, but let's jump over to my money line. I'm going to Oklahoma State um, for the 60 to win 102. I don't see them losing to Texas. That line is very fishy as well. Uh, what for is my, the line there? What's that? What is the line there? Uh, I can tell you momentarily here. Let's see. Big 12. It is Texas minus five and a half. Hmm. So ponder that. That gets your side bet juices going. You think about that. So 60 to win 102. Now, this may be similar to the cat that just bet that three-way team, and uh, I hopefully don't fall in line with them. I'm going with a straight-up four-team parlay. Georgia, Hmm. Alabama, Iowa, Cincinnati. 300 to win 
146.62. I got to do something. So I'm willing to risk 300 bucks, which may be boneheaded and on par with what that guy bet, but I'm willing to do it. I don't see how Alabama is going to lose. I, I just don't. Uh, so I'm, I'm taking those four. I got to bet against my cats. Unfortunately, I think Georgia is going to take it to them. They're just they're a different type of team that they haven't seen yet. So I'm rolling with that parlay. Now on the NFL, Sometimes I take a money line like we did last week with Buffalo. I'm going parlay. I'm parlaying two teams stuck out and jump out at me. I like the way the Chargers are playing, and I like the way the Cardinals are playing. So they're both the underdogs in their respective games. So I'm throwing up. It's essentially four to one odds, a little bit more than that, uh, 50 to win $220.25. So Chargers and Cardinals, both money line parlayed. So we shall see what prevails now. I what team you, is an underdog there? Or are they teams. both underdogs? Yeah, they're okay. both underdogs. Yeah, okay. that's what's surprising. Now, they're both on the road uh, pulling up the games. Let's see, Chargers are at Ravens, which, you know, Ravens are coming off a really uh, an overtime. They put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into that damn game in overtime um, this past Monday night. Well, they've and had then, three weeks. In a, the Baltimore's had three weeks in a row with, where they've struggled. Yeah, and and I I mean at the end of the game like they had this sixty thousand yard field goal yeah the guy kicked and then they had the controversy at the end where they ran for four yards and pissed everybody in America off and then last week they had to go to overtime so yeah they they've had a their share of the endings there yeah so they're on the road in Baltimore which you know a West Coast team going to an East East Coast team and playing an early game is kind of dangerous for the most part. And also, so, same with Arizona. They're going to Cleveland. Um, so, Cleveland's a three-point. They're both three-point spread. So, um, we'll see. I mean, we're rolling the dice and parlaying it. Could prevail four and a half to one odds. So, got to make some ground up after making some stupid decisions. Now, with your creative juices flowing, do you see any side bets percolating? Well, I, I do. I will Good. defer to the winner to tell me what you are thinking. Something tells me that UCLA is going to get beaten by Washington. I don't have an idea about anyone, particularly on Washington, but something to UCLA just doesn't seem. The only thing holding me back is it's minus two. If it was minus three, well, no, no, that doesn't make sense. Never mind. That's so they could win. Now, I'm not even touching that one. I, I, I'm not even touching that one. So okay. look at it. what else we got going here. Tampa Bay sheet. I'm not touching Kansas City or Tampa Bay. Bama, they're destined to win by a lot. I really don't have anything else unless you come up with something. Do you like yeah, West? Yeah, I, I, I do. I will okay. take uh, I will take your Oklahoma State money line. Okay, so you think Texas. I think Texas now, is going to win. Texas is five and a half, though. Okay. Can so you want to make it three and we go 10, $10 for three. Oof. Well, no, I wouldn't go the other way. Uh, I'd go, you know what? I'll go straight up. Just five. I'll go straight up. Oklahoma state, Cox, Texas, Odell, five bucks. How does that okay. sound? It sounds good. I also like, okay. More. Oh, let's see. I, I, I also really, really like your other one. There's no way that both 
we're gonna do something a little different. We're gonna propose mm. something different. Okay. I will take Baltimore and and who's Arizona playing? Mm, Cleveland. 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 I will take Arizona and Cleveland to win for five bucks. So you wanna so it's are we parlaying those two together? They both must win. They both must win. Okay. So let's do this. So we'll do the Oklahoma State straight up, no points. And Texas, you have Texas straight up, no points, five bucks. And then we'll do a parlay where you had the reverse of my NFL parlay. So I have the Chargers Cardinals. They must win. And you have the Browns Ravens. They both must win for $5. Yep. Wow. Elaborate but we've come to a conclusion. So I will definitely mark that. And if you're following us on the Twitter machine, it's giving the points podcast. We'll post our wagers and updated balances every week after the show and after the games. Um, So with uh, nothing else to talk about college or college fantasy, let's get into the fucktard little, little uh, NFL talk here. Oh my gosh. So, I, I don't know how we can have a football podcast, college, USFL, Canadian Football League, uh, NFL, any Arena. of that, if, without talking about John Gruden. Mm. So I, John Gruden is definitely the fuck of the week for, for several different reasons. One, you don't have the opinions that you – you should not have the opinions that he has. Okay, that's, that's number one. Let's just get that out of the way. We don't think like that. We're right. very open-minded. We come from a different – cloth we're a different generation where you can do what you want to do but i i will talk about it um i just won't send an email out about it at work um so there's several things here one i truly believe that uh john gruden made some horrible mistakes um number two i think there's way more to this is coming you know, the NFL has seized over 600,000 emails from the Washington football team. And this was just a part of that outs break um, because, let's be honest, because Gruden was talking about Goodell. He was talking shit about Goodell in a lot of those emails and saying how big a piece of trash he was. The NFL, and I don't know a lot of people know this or not, but John Gruden wasn't working in the NFL. He's working for ESPN. Okay. He wasn't even working in the NFL. So at the time that those things were at said. At the time those emails were sent out. Was that like 2011? If I thought two, heard yeah, that? 2011. Okay. So he was working for ESPN. So those emails went from John Gruden's email to somebody in the NFL. So somebody received those emails and didn't turn him in. So hmm. one has to put six and 12 together to get 18 to say, that they're looking into the Washington football club and whoever received those emails is going down too. Yeah. But here's the problem that I have about uh, another problem that I have with all this as well is that all these assholes on TV now are coming out and saying, John Gruden's always been like this. John's Gruden. He's always been a hypocrite. He's always been a racist. Where were those fuckers three weeks ago? where were they before they had a, a safety net to say, yes, I knew he was like this. Cause Sean Johnson and Randy Moss, who I love Randy Moss. Yeah. Get on TV and fucking cry like a big sissy. 
because some chick sitting there crying and agging him on. I don't know if you saw that, but that's a despicable mm-hmm. display of football. Um, they they all had their shot at, at Gruden on Monday night, and everybody, including Booger fucking McFarlane, was running his fat gums about it. Um, so where were these people 10 years ago when he was at ESPN with them? Why, did, why weren't they speaking out then? So why weren't they speaking out when he was with the, in the NFL? So nobody wants to speak about it until there's a safety net. That's the problem that I have. If you Mm -hmm. want to be the good guy, then call the guy out, call the guy out in the media. You've got the platform. You're Kashawn damn Johnson. You're Randy Moss come out and say, Hey, I knew he was like this, right? But they don't until they get that safety net. So all those people that didn't report it, to me are just as guilty as him for saying it. And that's my take this week, man. And like you said, there's more to come. That's just the tip of the iceberg with this topic, man. It's going to be, it's going to get dirty and, and uh, controversial and awkward for lack of a better word. It's just, yes, it is. It's uh, I keep playing poker. Well, I'm, I might buy the Washington football team here soon. It might be that low of a price. You, you're earning enough money at the old uh, Could be. local poker stomping grounds. Let, before we um, end the show, I want to go back to our side bet. So let me propose this, and don't feel like you have to agree to it. Listen, you baited me into Iowa last week. I told America that I was going to win the game, <laughs> and I still took my team because, you know, I, I can't say my team's going to lose. So go ahead. No, no, bait I know. Me in again. I'm not going to badger you. I'm going to make it even easier for you, an easier chance to put some more money out there since I have a nice little cushion. Of course. I let's let's take that parlay apart with the the Chargers and Cardinals, and you're taking the Ravens and Browns. Let's just make it one for one, five bucks each. Would you rather do that, or would I you would, rather parlay? I would gladly do that. I will gladly do that. It makes life easier for me. Okay. You don't. Right. So you don't want none of Alabama? Are you sure Absolutely. that 18's not? You know. I mean, what, I'd like to go back and see during the Saban era, Alabama or LSU. When's the last time he lost back to back games? That may be another athletic trivia question next week. So what we'll I think what digging. we need to look at is after they lose a game, what the score was the next right. week. That's a good call. What's I mean, because the... he has laid the lumber after they lose a game. Yeah. So that's that's where I'm basing that whole thing off of. I couldn't wait yeah. to see that line. That line could have been 25, and I might have took it. The 18 is very generous. Yeah. So to correct ourselves on our side bet, we're going to stick to the Oklahoma State, Texas, straight up five bucks. But we're also going to branch out to $5 for the Chargers for Cox, uh, $5 for Ravens for Odell, and then the other game, Cardinals for Cox, and then Browns for Odell, 5 bucks. So that's got some nice side action. Um, anything else you want to add on this long podcast tonight? No. Okay. I, I could talk shit about Penn State, but I'm not. We, we just took a loss, and we get a week off. So we're going to kind of enjoy it, and we're going to get our quarterback underneath us, and we will be to uh, see Iowa again in the Big Ten Championship, and we're going to work ourselves into the playoff. That's my that's my dream this week. And I'm going to give you some info that you obviously Captain Obvious reporting for duty. You're going to need Clifford. That's all I'm going to say. God damn, that was the. Oh, my God, that was the worst quarterback performance. I, I would have traded half the offensive line for Spencer Rattler about the third quarter. Oh, I don't know if you can say Let that. him heave it up there. Uh, Jesus, yeah, yeah. that guy was fucking horrible. 
All right. So for Jason Adele, once again, I am Jeff Cox wishing you much luck in your wagering endeavors. And as always, good luck, good boxing. Please don't forget to follow us at Giving the Points Podcast on Twitter. Again, that's Giving the Points Podcast spelled out. And don't forget to rate and review the show on the Apple and Anchor Podcast apps. And as always, we thank you for listening to Two Middle-Aged Idiots Talk About Stupid Things.